Blog Talk Radio. My name is Raina Starr, and tonight I am going to be joined by the fantastic Jason Mankey to discuss his little book of Yule. It is really a cool book, too. Um, The Desperate House Witches is not a GPG or even an R-rated show, so if bad language, bodily functions, dirty talk, or anything else I might say might offend you, okay, sorry. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the one, the only, the incredible wicked one herself, Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com. Tomorrow, Dorothy is releasing her blessing balls. Actually, it's the 22nd. My apologies. Um, but this weekend, you will be able to get the annual home blessing ornaments. They're really beautiful. Check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com. And if you need her products shipped overseas, check out theangrycauldron.com. And, gee, I see somebody in the queue. I wonder if that's my guest. Let's find out. And I'm trying to bring him in. And I think he's about on. Hey, Jason. I think I might be on. I think you're on. Hi. <laughs> I think I'm on. You're on, babe. How you doing? Yes. Well, you, you know, you never know. Like, sometimes it doesn't really tell you that you're in the queue anymore. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, it just kind of brings you on in. <laughs> yeah. So what's been going on with you? I haven't talked to you since earlier in the year where COVID was kind of really running hot and then it's back down a little and now it's really running hot again apparently uh what's happening where you are well my wife and i two weeks ago decided that we were not going to go out in public anymore again for a while because cases were just spiking that much living in california Uh you can go out to eat you know you know there are things that you can do more easily than in other parts of the country but even that uh, was just yeah. getting to the point where it just felt dangerous so we're back it feels like march again except it's like more crippling depression the second time around yeah what's that about i mean really everybody is you know half the people are trying to say no 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 we're going to be okay and the other half are like really getting pragmatic or sad and I'm like, nah, I just, I'm trying to not let this get me down. Um, I generally don't have that many people over for Thanksgiving. It's normally just family anyway. So, and it's, there's only four of us, so it's uh, not that big a deal. But I know a lot of folks are having a really hard time as this keeps stretching on. We had 12 people over last year. Not any family by blood. We live 2,000 miles away from all of our family. No, I take that back. My wife's sister flew down for Thanksgiving last year. So we had a little bit of family wow. here, but we've always had a very kind of open house 
for people and have always liked entertaining. And, you know, it was really nice to have that group of people over. But, you know, now we're at the holidays, and it's a time really when you're used to having a lot of social events, and those just aren't going to be here this year. You know, it's a very different sort of holiday. It really is. You know, a lot of people had to adjust you know, when it came to ritual, folks had to either go to Zoom or, you know, taped events, things of that nature. But I feel like, you know, this is our first really big holiday that we're not going to be able to, like, you know, it's it's a multi-holiday season, as outlined in your book, which is a great book because it gives so much detail about all kinds of different celebrations during this time of the season but yeah it's 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 being really strangely uncomfortable we've been doing this all year pretty much since march as far as the social distancing thing and the mask wearing and all of that and the longer it stretches on i think even though we know that there is going to be a vaccine sooner than we thought it's just really hard for people to to deal with it during holiday season. And I've got folks who are struggling. It's tough. You know, we thought that we were improving. We actually had a Samhain with our coven. You know, we were, it was outdoors. Mm -hmm. We all wore masks. You know, there was no touching or anything. It wasn't a traditional ritual by any means, but we had gotten together for the first time since March. You know, that was a pretty big step. And I thought, well, it was, not quite what we're used to, but it was still fun. Let's do it again in Yule at Yule. And now with cases right. spiking and stuff, obviously we're not going to do that. You know, so it's just another, you know, crappy part of 2020. And this has been eight months now we've been doing this. I mean, this is tough on people. Yeah. I understand why people, you know, break the rules, so to speak. Because nobody likes this. This is this is rough. You know, this is just not how we're wired as people, most of us at least. And even my I friends agree. who are introverts are, you know, having trouble because no one thought they were going to be this introverted for such a long period of time. <laughs> it's really true. I just, you know, it's weird because, pe- like you said, even people who – often prefer their own company or kind of like, all right, you know, now I would like to actually see somebody else, <laughs> you know? I mean, and, and, you know, you and I both have, you know, individual families, you know, it's you and Ari and, and your furry team and, you know, my squad over here. And it's like, I love you all, but I'm kind of sick of looking at you. I would like to see some other faces. You know, it's just sometimes it's just the me. little things that you can't do anymore that maybe were sort of solitary activities, but at least you kind of saw people. Like sometimes I'll go right at my local pub. You know, it's not like I'm yep. drinking eight shots of Jameson and getting trashed, but it's nice to get out of the house, change up the scenery yeah. when I write. And now really can't do that. I mean, I haven't been able to sit on that bar stool since right around St. Patrick's Day. We didn't even make it that far. And it's it's a real challenge. It's really different. Yeah. Do you find people are still eager to do like online stuff or is that now getting old too? Because that we basically had, you know, like you said, eight to nine months of 
continuous online stuff, like all rituals attended for me were online. All events for me were online. And it's like online is great. I, I feel incredibly blessed that we were able to attend, pardon me, so many things that we would not have been able to attend. But even that seems to be really wearing on folks. They're just, it's not something, like you said, it's not something we're used to. And I think people are kind of getting sick of Zoom, (laughs) which was initially really, really helpful. Well, I mean, I think when this started, we all thought, well, you know, it's not really going to be here past June, right? We'll take care of it. It'll get better. You know, maybe our lives will be a little bit changed, but they won't be so drastically changed. And then it didn't get better, and nothing really changed. And so, yeah, I think people are really sick of Zoom because nobody thought it was going to last that long. You know, it was fun or two weeks, you know, when you would Zoom your friends after not seeing them for a while. But now you want to uh-huh. hug your friends. And you can't hug your friends yeah. over Zoom. Like, I, no, you know, I want to yeah. – yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's upsetting. Tough. It's really been upsetting. I've missed so many pagan festivals this year and so many people that, you know, I thought I was going to be able to, you know, hug and shake their hand or whatever else it was. And, you know, Zoom is nice to a degree, but at the same time, I'm sick of looking at my laptop, (laughs) worrying about the lighting (laughs) in my living room, you know? (laughs) Yes, I do. So let me ask you a question. Now that things seem to be going in another direction, what do you have an opinion on what's happening politically? I mean, I'm so glad that Trump lost. I mean, I hate Trump. I know that not that's <laughs> not like universal in the pagan world, you know, and you may not have it's some not. listeners who like Trump, but okay. But I I mean, I despise the man. Uh per, you yeah. know, I thought he was undemocratic thought he was trying to turn yes. the United States into a banana republic. So that felt Absolutely. good. I remember the day yeah. he officially won. You turned on the news, and it looked like the end of Return of the Jedi, where after they blow up the Death Star, there are people you know, partying and cheering everywhere. That's really what it felt like to me. We went over to our neighbor's house, who were kind of a part of our pod. They're the only people we see with any regularity. And we had a beautiful yeah. bottle of wine to start the day to celebrate. I was really yeah. thrilled about it and happy. Since then, though, I'm less happy because I've watched sort of the Trump administration argue that Biden didn't win when he won by much, much bigger margins than Trump did in 2016. They're not even really comparable yeah. in any way. Trump Trump won by 70,000 votes in three states. Joe Biden won – by over 100,000 votes in Michigan alone. So it's, it's yeah. not the same thing. Yeah. And to see people try to subvert our democracy, like that's painful. But it's even more painful to see how many people have bought into the misinformation. And I don't want to say people are dumb or insult people, but I think you know, in our day and age, we live in bubbles now, right? And if everyone in your yeah. bubble is saying Trump won – the election was, you know, uh, was a fraud, was a scam, et cetera, et cetera. I think sometimes you just believe that. And and I've seen things on the left, too, that aren't true, that 
people repeat ad nauseum. We're not immune from it. So that's really sad to see, the fact that we live in an age of disinformation. I'm especially disheartened when I see it in my own community. I am even more upset by it when I see it from someone that I used to love. My first husband is pagan. And when I saw the stream of bullshit, I knew he was right-leaning. I, I accepted that before uh, Trump ever happened. And I, you know, it was explained to me that as a fiscal conservative, because he thought he was making a little bit of money, he didn't want to have to pay a whole lot of taxes. I guess he doesn't like traveling on pavement Maybe he doesn't need the lights on. I don't know what his current situation. I haven't been married to the man in 30 years. Okay, fine. That's fine. But when I saw the stream of bullshit on his feed about how the Biden crime family was trying to rob the American people of their God-chosen whatever the fuck. I hate Trump. Everyone knows I hate Trump. I don't pull any punches about it. Everyone knows I don't believe in voting third party unless it's viable. It's never been viable as far as I can see, because these people only show up every four years at presidential election season. So that pisses me off. But, yeah, I hate Trump. Absolutely. And I'm pissed at anyone that aided his entry to begin with. So you're preaching to the converted. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah. But, you know, I was like, I was so nervous, and Talison Govannon, who everybody knows, has to, I mean, he does this with me every four years for like the last decade and a half where he talks me down. Um, <laughs> bless his heart. But, I, but Tuesday night, because of the way we all voted, because we went and did it early, I didn't understand. Someone needed to explain to me that the reason why it looked like Trump was winning wasn't because the American people all decided they liked him. It was how the votes were being counted and the order in which they were being counted, which I didn't understand at the time. So I, and you know me, Jason, I was on your feed freaking out. So, I mean, everybody's like, Raina, shut up. Just stop watching. It'll be okay. So I'm like, there, okay, I'm going away now. <laughs> it was tough. Um, it, it, that on a lot of political sites, they talked about that, how it would look like Trump was winning. They called it – they said it was going to be the red mirage, which is exactly Correct. what it was, a red mirage. And I remember like feeling really bad Tuesday. I stayed up, and you don't have to stay up too late on the West Coast. Because, you know, when it's midnight here, it's 3 a.m. on the East Coast. So, you know, I stayed up and watched the returns with my neighbors, and we got to when Biden talked. And Biden came out. He was calm, cool, and collected. He said, we're going to count every vote. And when he said that, there was this little piece of my heart that went, he knows. He knows he's going to win. He knows because they've got people on the ground doing polling and stuff on the day of the, the race. And he knew that he mm-hmm. was still in it, that everything was going to be fine. But I'll be lying if I said I didn't have nightmares all of that Tuesday night because yeah. I did. Probably slept for 20 minutes. But by Wednesday morning at 11 o'clock my time, I knew that Biden had won. It was pretty obvious. Michigan was turning. Wisconsin was turning. Pennsylvania was going to turn. I felt pretty good early 
I've, yeah, and I tried to share that as much as I could on my largest platform, which is Facebook. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was, I'm so resistant because I'm paranoid as fuck because of 2016 because my heart right. got broken and burned all at the same time. So I'm like being really fucking positive, but I'm still having a heart attack over here because to me, it's not done until it's announced. It's got to be, this is what's happening. I avoided from Tuesday night on, I stopped watching because I was, you know, it goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. I'm like, I can't, I just can't handle it. I'm losing my shit. My family's already fucking sick of me and so are my friends. I better just, like, watch something mindless and stupid, and that's what I did for the next several days until Saturday morning. Because everybody was home Saturday morning, I'm like, all right, I can be brave now and turn on the TV. So I turned on the TV, like, 10-ish East Coast time, and (laughs) within an hour and a half, my patience was rewarded. President-elect, I was like, and we were screaming, crying, carrying on. People outside were banging pots. It was hilarious. So we're all having a ball. Um, but then, of course, the following days of insanity, because he's never done a fucking gracious thing in his goddamn life, Trump. Um, we're still no. suffering <laughs> this kind of crap. And, you know, you can't put Rudy out in front of, the Four Seasons Lawn and Garden Center next to a crematorium and a porn shop and have people not make the obvious jokes. Stupid asses. And then yesterday, Rudy, with the hair dye dripping, I'm like, this is not a good look. You're on your way out. (laughs) It's incredible to me, though. When you see how how poorly – the camp like Trump's post election campaign has been run and done. You know, the things that they've said, the people that he's appointed, you know, it's it's illustrative of how poor of a leader that he is. You know, the buck stops with you when you're the president. And this goes back to his whole presidency. Like he would fire somebody and he'd be like, That guy's a loser and you know, what a terrible person. I'm like you hired him. You know, the apparatus that's representing you is on you. And when it's this piss poor, that means that you are this piss poor, (laughs) right? You know, I mean, every – Right. And I don't understand why people can look at him and see a good leader, see someone who is decisive and makes good decisions because his, his administration hasn't shown that at all. And everything that he's done since the election has shown that as well. You know, I wouldn't have Rudy Giuliani represent me in small claims court if I was trying to, you know, win back a pair of socks from an ex-roommate. I mean, he's just incompetent. I mean, yeah, he is. He's. I mean, you know, this is. And what cracks me up when it comes to Rudy Giuliani is if you'll remember when Trump was first running. Joe Biden's joke about Rudy Giuliani was, there he goes, a noun, a verb, and 9-11. And he got beat <laughs> by the guy that pulled that on him. And that just, to me, that's poetic justice all over the place. So I loved it. <laughs> there was a really because great sketch 
there was a really great sketch on Saturday night. Yeah, there was a great sketch on Saturday Night Live last year, and it was about ornaments on the back of the Christmas tree. And one of the ornaments was, you know, Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor, because there was a time 20 years ago when people sort of liked Rudy Giuliani. And to see how far someone can fall by getting in Donald Trump's orbit is is just – it's funny and it's also kind of sad because Trump turns everything he touches into shit, really. It's really true. And and what bothers me even more about it is that the Republicans are so desperate to maintain power that knowing it's all a lie, continue to propagate the lie. It's like, do you have no conscience? Are you that soulless that power is the only thing that's important to you? And I'm really frightened to learn that the answer is yes in a lot of cases. Well, they're going to, you know, do everything they can to fill every seat, no matter how unqualified the nominee is for things, just to make sure that Biden has as difficult a job, which is already going to be really difficult. At this point, I wouldn't wish the presidency on my worst enemy. It just sounds like a terrible thing to have to do after how mismanaged COVID is, the devastation Mm -hmm. to the economy and to people's livelihoods and to jobs and businesses. It seems like a really terrible mm-hmm. job, and Trump is trying really hard to make it even worse. I agree. Um, you know, when Barack Obama got elected the first time, um, I felt the same way because the economy was in the toilet, and everything was just we – weren't, we weren't having a pandemic then, but everything seemed like the country was headed for the wall, and that was going to be it. You know, it just goes to show you as bad as you think things are, they could actually get worse. I don't know how much of a margin there is for that now because we, we've sunk. We left the Paris Accords, WHO, we put kids in cages. I mean, this is about as low as I've ever experienced the country, ever. I'd, so it's Well, I don't know how much hard. lower 2020 can go. You know, I mean, it, every day there seems to be like a new rotten cherry on top of the shit Sunday that is 2020. No, no doubt. I mean, yeah, it's it's been kind of brutal. Um, are you hopeful about the vaccine that we keep hearing is coming? Oh, I'm hopeful about the three vaccines that look like they're coming. A 95% success rate for the, at least the Pfizer one is really good. They can't get that needle in my arm fast enough. Hello. <laughs> I'm with you. <ya. laughs> yeah. I've already had a flu shot. I've had a, another shot that they recommended, and now we're waiting for the COVID shot. I actually believe if they are, are really showing the 95% efficacy on this medication, it seems like if they pretty much give it to everyone – we can go back to, like, hugging people and seeing people and doing pretty much everything we did before. Do you think we're going to go back that far, or do you think it's going to be more of a limited situation until we all see how we react to it? You know, I want to say by May everything's going to be normal again, but I don't think that it will. I think that there will be repercussions from this. I think – 
people will be wary of keeping their distance from others. And a lot of Asian societies, they wear masks all the time because they're worried about disease, you know, because it stops things like the flu. Maybe that's not a bad idea sometimes in the United States when, you know, when things are looking pretty bad. One of the problems with the vaccine right now, too, is we don't know how long it lasts. It's not like I don't think it's going to be like a chickenpox vaccine where it lasts your whole life. It feels like this Uh, is going to be something like a flu vaccine that lasts maybe a year. Maybe it doesn't last that long, which, you know, is super mm -hmm. problematic because people are going to do it once. Are they going to go back for their – and right now they're saying this is a a two-shot vaccine. You go once, you have to go back again. But are people going to go back that third and fourth time when it needs to be re-upped? I mean, it could – you know, be an ongoing thing for a couple of years, especially with that 25 to 50% of the country that doesn't want to take the vaccine, which is pretty scary. Yeah. Science deniers freak me out. Um, I, I don't, I don't know how you function that way. I've always been really upset about folks who didn't want to vaccine their children I think if you make that that decision, you should also have to homeschool. I don't understand why we have gotten to a point where we don't care enough about each other as a country to to even try to protect each other. It's really important that I take care of you because if I don't take care of you and you get sick, I'm going to get sick too. We're all going to get sick eventually. It just makes good sense to care. So that's, just something that bothers me all the time. So, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know what people are going to do. We seem to have become quite entitled about not wanting to do this and not wanting to do that, no matter how it affects anybody else. But that's a hallmark of Trumpism, isn't it? It it is, I think. But it's really amazing to me how people think wearing a mask is a violation of their liberties, of their freedoms. You know, it's like you don't complain that you have to wear a shirt when you go into the store. It's the same kind of thing. It's the bare minimum mm-hmm. that you can do as a human being. You know, no no person is an island. We are all in this together, and it's just the little thing that you can do that will make a big difference to a lot of other people. And it saddens me greatly how many people are really opposed to wearing a mask. It seems like a silly thing to become to have become a political issue because it shouldn't be a political issue. No, it's a health issue. It's got nothing to do with politics. But of course, yeah. you know, this guy's going to do what he does. But anyway, so let me ask you another question. Um, I keep hearing everybody tell me, you know, well, you know, Biden's not going to make it through his first term. Are you feeling that too? No, I, I don't know. Okay. I mean, he's his, he will be 78 when he takes office. There's always a chance. It seems to be in pretty good shape. You know, I'm not, yeah. not going to cross that Rubicon until we get to it. Maybe it's a tough job. That's for sure. sure. Um, if you do it sure. properly, if you don't just, Eat Big Macs and rage tweet on the toilet. It's a tough job. Yeah, so it's possible. Uh, Kamala is from California, though. We have complete trust in her. She's she's tough. She's a fighter. She's she'd do a great job as president. I mean, there would be a lot of people 
who would hate her being president because she's a woman, because she's a woman of color. We all know that will be a roadblock. Oh, yeah. she, you know, she's going to put the best interests of the country first. So I don't have any worries. I don't think about Biden dying. And if, if it were to happen, I have a lot of faith wow. in Vice President-elect Harris. I do too. I think she's amazing. Um, he wasn't my first choice, but I'm good, you know, because you make an adult decision when the time comes. If your candidate doesn't get it, you don't set fire to the world just because you didn't get what you wanted. Sorry, my opinion. Anyway. Oh, no, I I agree. I, I was on the Joe yeah. train as early as January because Harris had already dropped really? out by then, I think. And I thought that he was the most electable candidate. I, I, my politics, I do not think that Bernie Sanders is electable. I don't think he can win a general election. I think you have to have a candidate who appeals to broad constituencies, which is what Joe Biden does. Uh, You know, I would have been happy with Elizabeth Warren, who I think is probably the smartest person running in, you know, in 26, in 2020, but you know, uh, I thought Joe was the person who had the best chance of winning. And to me, getting rid of Trump trumped everything else. I agree. You know, absolutely, I agree with you 100%. All right, so let's let's talk about this book because I'm okay. really excited. And I ordered it <laughs> early because I wanted to make sure I got my copy. <laughs> so... The Little Book of Yule, it's about this time of the year and all of the wonderful holidays therein. There's things to do. There's things to cook. There's blessings. There's all kinds of lore. What brought you to writing this? Well, if you want the honest answer, I saw how well Mickey Mueller's Little Book of Halloween was selling. And I thought, wow, Ah! I could actually write a book that people might buy. So... But all, but really, I love Yuletide. This is my favorite time of year. I love the holidays. I grew up as a kid loving Christmas. You know, as as a witch, I love the winter solstice and everything attached to it. But what I really love the most is that this is a really shared season. Almost no matter your religious tradition, yeah. your neighbors probably have decorations that are very similar to yours in their house or mm-hmm. outside their front door. And we don't really do that in the United States very much. Maybe a little bit at Halloween, but I think our interpretation as witches of Halloween is often very, very different. But there's a lot of sort of crossbreeding between our winter solstice celebrations and Christmas, and then, of course, Christmas and ancient pagan holidays and traditions. And this is also a time of year where it's magical, and you're taught to be ma- think about magic this time of year. You're taught to believe in magic. You're taught to believe in magical beings like Santa Claus. You're you know supposed to believe in things like Christmas miracles and whatnot. No other time of year in the United States do we really function completely as a magical society, but I really think that we do at Yule. So. I love it for that reason, too. To me, the most pagan time of year is Yule. More ancient pagan stuff in winter solstice and Christmas celebrations than is in Halloween. Halloween might feel more witchy, but Yuletide definitely has more pagan echoes than any other time of year. 
I have to agree with that. You know, I think a lot of folks just gravitate towards Halloween because, you know, it's All Saints Eve and and the thinning of the veil and solstice, blah, blah, blah. I got it. But, yeah, no, I, I think Christmas time, Yule time, is very magical. Yeah, because we're all kind of taught as kids, you know. There's a guy on a sleigh with magical reindeer, and it's all very sweet and very mystical. I think the whole mythology about Santa is very mystical. I I think that holidays, whether you know they're Sabbaths or whatever else they might be, are better if it feels like everyone else is participating. And as witches, mm-hmm. we only really feel that maybe two and a half times a year, depending on when Easter is, you know, it lines up pretty nicely with Astara and how we celebrate that today. But really only Halloween and Yule are that way. And I would argue that because our Yule celebration, or, or no, I'm sorry, because our Samhain celebrations are focused so much on the dead that they don't usually line up with what the rest of society is doing. But Yule is something okay. else entirely Everyone else is yeah. affected by the darkness of mid-December. Everyone else is affected by the cold. Everyone else is decorating the same. If you're celebrating the rebirth of the sun god at Yule, I mean, it's not too far away. A lot of Christians are celebrating. To me, the iconography is pretty much the same. So, you know, there's a, so much that's shared there. And when that happens, the holiday just feels bigger, in my opinion. I agree. No, I mean, that makes complete sense because everybody is, you know, in their own way celebrating. They may be celebrating a different tradition, but we're all kind of celebrating in this, at the same time. So, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. That's not even something I ever thought of before. So I'm glad you said that because <laughs> that makes I have a lot me of feel free better time about to think of these things. Yeah, well, <laughs> but it's true. At least you think in reality, okay? You think of things in real terms that, you know, when you look at it, yeah, it makes sense. You know, it's more joyous when everybody's happy, even people who don't believe the same thing. It's just, you know, I think we all, in you know, as people who deal in energy, you know, it, it, that makes sense. You feel the energy around you, you know, it, it lifts all boats. You know, rising tide. So I think it's great. Uh, no, I I, I, and I didn't think about it. I don't <laughs> know if you've ever sat outside Christmas Eve or been on a walk or something on Christmas Eve night, but it is about the quiet. It's the quietest night of the year. I mean, there's no traffic. Yeah. There's, you know, nobody out that you can hear screaming and partying and yelling. You know, everything is just about silent and it's a really kind of beautiful quiet and silent and you just don't have that the rest of the year so for whatever reason whether or not people celebrate christmas on the 25th or whatnot you know we're still Mm -hmm. caught up in those two days the 24th and 25th probably because you know it's also a national holiday and the government, yeah. you know, shall make the law mandating a national religion. So Christmas is really a mundane holiday. You know, it's there's just something about the time of year that seems to affect everybody. And I think it mostly affects them in a good way. I don't think that the holidays 
affect too many people negatively. I'm sure there's someone who hates them, you know. It's all Grinch like, oh, yeah. but I, for the most part, oh, it's yeah. a happy, it's a happy good time. Well, I mean, when you talk about that, you know, peace on earth, goodwill towards men thing, you know, you'd like to think that even briefly, folks can just stop fucking fighting with each other because that just drives me nuts. The constant fighting. I think that's part of why the last four years have been such a drain because everybody's just at everyone else's throat. Absolutely. I mean, it's very exciting. That really wasn't the case for a long time. I mean, there are always problems between people and no one's ever going to get along. Absolutely. But it feels like conflict is what everyone thrives on now. And when you have a president who thrives on content on conflict, I think it sort of trickles down to everybody else. Well, see, and my view of it is that it's so cult-like in his regard, you know, his, I mean, I've never seen anybody have rabid followers like that. Not since like, the days of groupies where, you know, we followed bands and, you know, we were insane no matter what they did and everything they did was perfect and all that crap. But yeah, it's, it's, it feels cultish to me. And that's oh, scary. Mag is definitely a cult. It is, you know, but you know what though, this is the last Christmas Yuletide we're ever going to have with that guy. So, you know, it gets better. I think it gets much better. <laughs> You don't think he's going to implode and take the White House with him? (laughs) I think he's imploding before our eyes, but, you know, there's also a certain joy in that. (laughs) So I'm okay with it, as long as he doesn't, you know, take the whole country down with him. Well, you know, and some of the things that he's doing, a lot of folks are having other freakouts about national security, and, you know, he's firing I don't know, he's just randomly firing people that really need to be in place. I'm sorry, Homeland Security is still kind of important. (laughs) I don't know. But on to to better days, I hope. I have to assume. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I'm with you. I'm just hoping for better days. Yeah. So, you put a lot of great stuff in this book. And you put recipes and things in this book, which I was very excited about because I love recipes. So thank you for doing that because (laughs) I get sick of making the same thing every season because that's what I do. Like every Christmas and Yule, I make pasta sauce and I'm I'm just sick of it. I need other things, so I'm very grateful. <laughs> well, most of the recipes are for booze. You know, I'll admit that first and foremost. If you're looking for much to eat in the book, you're you're going to be disappointed. But there are Saturnalia <laughs> wine recipes, recipes for wassail, re- recipes for lamb's wool. There's a lot of boozing in the book. One of the things there about is a lot writing. Of- yeah. One of the things about this book, though, is it's part of a series. So this is Llewellyn's 14th little book. And, you know, there's like mm-hmm. a little book of unicorns and book of chakras, all these different things. But they mm-hmm. all kind of have a format 
And one of the things that it's supposed to have are activities. And for me, cooking Mm -hmm. is important. Eating and drinking is important with people, especially. So I always, so when I have to do those kind of activities, it makes sense to put recipes in. And the little book series are not necessarily for witches, you know, or pagans. They're for anybody who's magical. So the bent of the book, I didn't want to have just a bunch of rituals that would only appeal to witches or pagans. I wanted activities that would appeal to you no matter what you did. So like if you're a Christian who does magic things or works with crystals or something, you can pick up Llewellyn's little book of Yule and it's fine because it's all stuff that you would probably do. So yeah, um, I one that. of the things that about is, food is it's cool. pretty universal. Yeah, What's that? And, and I like, but see, you, you and I'm very grateful that you did that because a lot of the time when you want to give a book as a gift, unless it is specifically geared for the person, a lot of people won't pick it up. But this book is geared for lots of people, not just necessarily us. So I like that. I think that's great. I don't. I wouldn't mind giving this to folks who are not Wiccan, for example. You know, and you do talk about food in the book. I just have to say, it is it's booze heavy, but you also suggest some other stuff that I had not done before. I and yes, granted, it is more New Year's Eve. You do mention food, so it's not all booze. I don't want people to think it's just a booze book. It's not. <laughs> but no, but I mean, I'll admit there are four. I think off the top of my head, I know four of the recipes are for for alcoholic beverages in the book. It's funny, though, when I read the first reviews for the book, they were on Goodreads, which Goodreads uh-huh. is should should be called like breakinauthorsoul.com because the reviews there oh. are so very often negative. So I read the first oh. reviews on Goodreads, and they were like, you know, this isn't a book for witches or, you know, this is just, you know, Christianity masquerading as paganism. And I'm like, that's not what the book is. It doesn't, you know, it was, I felt like people didn't understand what the book was about because it's pretty clear in the introduction that this is for everyone who celebrates the Yule season, not just the winter solstice. And so that was pretty disheartening. So some people in our community may hate it because they look at the title and they think, ah, it's just a book about the winter solstice. But the problem with that is, Christmas is the giant elephant in the room. If you want to talk about trees in your house or Santa Claus, you know, all these different things that people do in late December, early January, it has to be about more than just the winter solstice. I agree. I mean, I, you know, we, because of tradition and because I was the, the father of my children was not pagan, um, we celebrate everything. You know, it's all a big conglomeration. We're Heinz 57 over here. So, like, if there's a holiday, we're going to try to figure out how to celebrate it a little. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we have a silver Christmas tree, and we have another tree that we call our Yule tree. We have have everything. We just throw it all in there. And I'm not trying to cut anybody down, but I have a problem with folks who are so stuck that if it doesn't conform exactly to what they think it should conform to, they shit on it. And that pisses me off 
you put a lot of work into this book. I like this book. I love this book. I couldn't wait to get this book personally, you know, because I wanted it directly from you. Um, so I'm really sorry that people did not pay attention <laughs> or give it a chance or whatever it else is that they do or don't do as far as reading. Um, but I, I think you did a great job. I love, I love this book. It's a great book. The, the reviews on Amazon were much more kind. You know, it, it, it evens out. You know, a lot, of, a lot of the earliest reviews on Goodreads are from something called NetGalley. So it's people reading free PDFs of books, and they're often not really the audience that the book is being sold to. And mm-hmm. so that's always kind of problematic because if the book is not read by somebody that it's meant for, they're probably just not going to like it as much. So, you know, since then, most of the reviews I've read have been positive, but I'm really tough on myself. Sometimes the criticism like gets to you a little bit, like cause the first thing that you sure. read is like really kind of negative and you're like, I worked six months or whatever it is on that book. You know, I listened to Yule music every day for six months. It drove my wife crazy, you know, I, but I had to listen to it to write the book. And when when people don't respect, I'm I'm being kind of silly here, but when people don't respect that sacrifice that you've made, you know, it, it hurts a little bit, you know. Well, I want to say this to you because I, I know you a little bit now. And I will say that you are probably um, a lot harder on yourself than most people are. Um, I've, I've seen you agonize over detail. And I think you really bust your ass on stuff. I have never seen you half-ass anything. So, I mean, you're, you're a little bit overly critical of yourself. I'm sorry. Um, I I think you're amazing. Sue me. It's thank you. It's, you're making me blush. You know, it's I am pretty tough on myself. I've had other people tell me I should kind of ease up, but you know, when I write a book, I want it to be as factual as possible. I put my heart and my soul into it. I want it to be as readable as possible. You know, I'm doing my best mm-hmm. uh, that that I can do and. And I'm really adamant about that. And I also want to be a force for good in our community. I want to be a positive person. I want everyone to feel comfortable in the pagan and witch worlds, pagan and or witch worlds. feels like we're kind of pulling apart there a little bit. Um, yeah, so I am, uh, I am hard on myself. The Pathios job hurts me sometimes. If people don't know, I'm the channel manager of Pathios Pagan and that that can be crushing. It's a it's a tough job sometimes re you know, having to comment and things and sometimes people don't like what somebody wrote and you get pulled into other stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm tough on me. <laughs> yeah. But, but I love it. I wouldn't do it about... I love it. Of course. And you do a great job of it. And I wouldn't want that fucking job. Because <laughs> there's, it seems like, well, because here's the thing. There's a lot more pain than glory in a lot of things that people do not see behind the scenes. And to have to absorb 
all of the negativity that gets thrown at you for things that you're merely, I mean, it's not even stuff you necessarily wrote. It's, it's stuff you're associated with. Um, it's a thankless job sometimes. I mean, I know you love it and may the gods bless you a million times over for the job you do. Um, but it's not for everyone and not every article is for everyone, nor should it be. Okay. No, it and shouldn't be. this is part of, and as an older pagan, which I am, um, I think people have stopped appreciating uh, different points of view in our community. I'm not encouraging negativity. I'm not encouraging any kind of uh, insidious bias. I'm talking about just simple points of view about how to do a ritual, for example. People seem to just want to come down if it doesn't line up exactly with what they want. And I, I think we've kind of dialed back the intelligence in a little bit and dialed up the emotion. And I think we need to go back the other way because there was a time when, you know, if you saw something that wasn't meant for you, you went, okay, not meant for me, next thing. And I think people just don't want to go to the next thing. I think folks just want to complain about stuff that doesn't line up with their point of view. And that's not the world. It's never going to be the world. I'm just saying. I'm always surprised that people can't just skip over something that they don't like. So this happens on the mm-hmm. Patheos Pagan Facebook book Facebook page a lot, which I have to moderate. You know, like we had a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, dumped on Trump posts in October and early November. I wrote one of them. I was very happy with it, you know, but almost all of our writers are pretty liberal, and we had a couple of those. And people who are not liberal would comment, like, I have to leave this site now. And I'm like, if you don't like it, why can't you just scroll past it? I I don't understand that. And I find myself today because stopping and going, do I really need to respond to this? Isn't it better if I just walk away from it? Are my comments going to – make any difference? Are they going to help anybody? Why do I have to express the negativity? You know, there are a lot of pagan articles that I disagree with. If there's something that's factually wrong, I think that's fine to to kind of explain that. But just because somebody does something different than me doesn't mean that I need to, you know, kind of shit on their parade, so to speak. It's fine. There are different ways to do things. There are different ways to interpret things, and that's okay. And But we seem to really enjoy finding the differences and then being adversarial about them these days. Yeah, things have become very tribal in that regard, not even witch and non-witch, just like everybody's in their own little camp or their own little bubble or just – I don't know. I <laughs> the way I was I was okay. So I was raised a long time ago, and back then, you know, people were allowed to have opinions reasonably, and people were allowed to disagree reasonably. And if the adults got into an argument, you know, we'd walk away because not everything is for us. <laughs> but I, yeah, we've definitely come to an age of entitlement that kind of scares me. And it speaks to what we were talking about earlier with the mask wearing. 
no, you're not allowed to endanger the rest of us because you don't feel like having a piece of cloth over your face. I mean, there's ways, you know, and I've heard the whole, I have a medical condition. I have a medical condition. There's ways around it where you can still wear a mask. They now make these little plastic pieces that you put in the mask that holds the fabric away from your, it's like it holds it away from your nose so that you can still breathe, but you're still completely covered by the mask part. I mean, there are ways if you care enough. You know, and if you can't find something that's suitable that you can go out in comfortably, I'm sorry, stay the fuck home. That's life. <laughs> we have to make choices. It's about choices and doing things that are socially responsible. And it's not because I'm a liberal, it's because, which I am, but it's because of public safety. Um, so call me Snowflake. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but. You know, that's me. But it's I like think, washing I really your hands. With, it's a tiny yeah, thing. you should. It's not hard. Yeah. yeah. Just, no, you know, keep your hands clean. You know, when you were a kid, you were taught to not cough with, you know, without covering your mouth. These are just things we do in a society because we don't want to be rude assholes. You know, if you're going to sneeze, you cover your nose and mouth. You know, you put your hands over your face when you sneeze so you don't like spread your germs everywhere. It's the same thing. Really, I promise. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I work with these people who don't want to wear masks, so I'm a little touchy about it as you can tell. <laughs> it's it's everywhere. Yeah. I mean, you know, I live in Silicon Valley, which, you know, is pretty liberal for the most part, but there is a good 10 or 20% of people who refuse to wear masks, who, you know, refuse to sort of curtail their social obligations. It's not just limited to red states. It's a problem everywhere in the oh. country. It is. It really is. Anyway. Yeah. I wonder what people are going to think about these. Oh, sorry. I just wonder what people are going to think about these shows in, in five years from now, though, when this is all over and somebody stumbles across this episode. And they'll be like, what the hell are they talking about? Because I think most of us are going to try really hard not to remember 2020. <laughs> Really? I think it's good. I see, and I think I think 2020 is going to really go down in the history books of shit you don't want to do in the future. Um, you don't want to, you know, elect someone who has no experience whatsoever for the biggest job in the world in some regards. Um, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be a manual. The last four years is going to be a manual for the shit you, you don't ever want to do again. So it's going to have to be written in the history books. So other other uh, generations will see how stupid uh, the people were in 2020, and maybe they'll avoid the same shit. Just hoping. I hope so. I I, I hope <laughs> that we don't repeat this in our lifetimes, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, the pandemic just before this one was the H1N1, and people don't talk about it very much because the Obama administration had a grip on that thing, and they were taking care of it. Um, that's how I want my pandemics to go down going forward. My government is taking care of it, and we're going to be all right. And it won't be a whole lot yeah. to talk about because the task force and the scientists will be in place 
and we will have the proper guidelines and we'll know what to do and what not to do, you know. So hopefully we've learned something. Don't know. Time will tell. I've got my fingers crossed. We just shut down early (laughs) and passed a relief bill so people didn't have to worry about their houses or their businesses and their jobs and whatever else. We probably could have nipped this in the bud pretty quickly, but for whatever reason, it just feels like a lot of people in Washington don't have the will for those kind of things. And we had a completely inept executive branch, but, you know, hopefully if this happens again, we'll have more competent people in place and we'll have leaders that want to work with each other that can fix these problems. Yeah, and I don't understand how Mitch McConnell got reelected, and I don't understand how Lindsey Graham got reelected, but okay, bigger brains than mine will have to explain it to me, and I'm sure at some point somebody will, because I can't wrap my head around putting the same people back into place who voted against the best interests of their constituents and the American people at large. So I have a real issue (laughs) with these people. You know, I'm just still angry that the next James Bond film, you know, got pushed back an entire year. I mean, that that hurt me greatly. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's unforgivable. I love you so much. <laughs> I mean, Daniel Craig, sorry, Sean Connery fans, is the best James Bond ever. And I got one more movie, and I was super excited about it. And then COVID shut it all down. I mean, the small thing, mm-hmm. definitely a first world problem, but I will admit I'm still still angry about it. Okay. <laughs> so in addition to all of the world's problems and the United States becoming somewhat of a shithole, Jason's concern is 007, which brings us it's really true. back to reality. It brings us right back you know, to reality. This is why I need you in my life. <laughs> it's a, it's been a heavy it's kind of been a heavy hour. I thought it might be fun yeah. to kind of take it take it down a notch, you know. Talk about something a little bit more silly. <sighs> oh, you're great. Well, actually, you know, um in the next couple of weeks, um Deborah Lip is going to be on and we're going to talk about her James Bond book, so that might be of interest to you. Yeah, she's a, she's, she's like yeah, she's like the expert on James Bond in the United To me it's really fascinating, you know, like I mean, I know Deborah from her books and you uh-huh. know, doing witchcraft stuff and all that, but there's a whole other kind of side of Deborah Lip which is really fascinating. You know, it, most of us know, so. who write books don't really get to branch out in that sort of way. So, uh great on Deborah yeah, so she and I are going to talk about that in a week or so. But, yeah, I mean, you're, you're great. I appreciate you so much. What are you working on now? Are you are you working on another book? Yeah, I've got a book due at the end of December that's called The Magic Ooh. of the Witch, I think. We could, we could change that title, but it's sort of a look at different magical disciplines. And it's more uh-huh. kind of a beginner book, but I'm hoping that – People who are experienced will also get something out of it. And it's a book I'm co-writing with my wife, Ari, and two members of our coven. Nice. I'm, I'm writing most of the words, but they're submitting ideas because I wanted to have more than just my ideas about magic. 
and their names are on the cover mm-hmm. and everything, and they've written a lot of the spells that are in it. But that's the next one. And then I'm also doing the Witch's Guide to the Greek Gods with Estrella Taylor, who wrote Intuitive Witchcraft. And that's due in June, um, and we've had talks about that. I haven't really started my half yet. <laughs> I have to finish this one first. And then after that, I'm writing a, bu- a biography of Ray Buckland. So it's pretty busy. It's a pretty busy time. Whoa! Um, I, I didn't expect that last one. That was that. I didn't expect that last one again. Hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's um. That's something that Llewellyn asked me to do. So uh-huh. I and I agreed to it. I almost wanted to say no because. Writing biographies is hard, right? I mean, that's a yeah. different sort of skill set than what I've done before. But I tackle history pretty well, and so I'm hopeful that it'll be a good book. But I'm we're going to work on that starting this summer. So I'm kind of preparing for it, though. I've been collecting Ray things and reading things and plotting out where I might travel because I want to see every place that Ray lived in and talk to people that he oh. knew and stuff. So. So, th- so that'll be something. That'll be something different. Yeah. So my next three books are already plotted out, and then the Horn God of the uh-huh. Witches comes out in June, first week of June, late May or early June. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So there's there's always more stuff from me waiting. <laughs> oh wow! I'm really excited. I mean, I'm excited about all of them, um, but especially the Buckland book. Because, you know, but, yes, you'll go to Lilydale and all of that. I've always wanted to go. Very excited for you. I've been there twice before, so I'm familiar with cool. Lilydale because there's a pagan campground about 20 miles from Lilydale called Brushwood. It's where Starwood was for a long time, and they have a festival there called Sirius Rising. And we live in Michigan. My wife yeah. and I went there quite often. So I knew Lilydale was close by, and I was like, you know what? I want to go to Lilydale one day. So I took a bunch of people there to Lilydale. Then the last one of the last times I went back to Brushwood, I don't know if you know Heron Michelle. But yes, I do. She writes she Pathios. Yeah. 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 She. I went with her and some of her friends to Lilydale the last cool. time that they were at Brushwood and we were. So I've been there a couple times, and most people don't know that that side of Ray's life. So it's pretty cool. While I was there the last time I found Ray's Corvette and he had a, <laughs> had a vanity license plate that said Buckland, Buckland on it, you know, and I like took pictures of his car cause I'm a nerd. <laughs> Didn't see him though. Yeah. That's, that's cool though. I mean, I've always wanted to go. I still haven't been so. Uh, I'm looking forward to well, you know when I'm going. Someday. You come with me. Cool. I'm I'm in. I'm in. That's awesome. So, what else are you doing? Are you giving any classes or or doing anything else online? You know, it's this is usually the kind of quiet time of year when it workshops and stuff. So I don't really have a whole lot planned. I know that Llewellyn is doing a free talk about Yule or something. They've been doing like free classes and stuff. And I'm doing one for them early December with a couple of other writers who've written about the holiday season. So that'll be fun. But other than that, not really a whole lot of stuff. 
um, if there are festivals in 2021, I will be out in yeah. the summer. But, you know, we'll see if that actually happens. I know that the ones in February, March have already been canceled like they should be. So we'll see right. if we get to do things in June and July. Yeah, I, I kind of miss my convention in July, Mystic South. Um, we we missed it this year, obviously, but we're hoping that it's only a one-time miss and that we'll be able to go this coming year. I'm, I'm hopeful that by, you know, April, May, we'll start getting vaccines actually out in the in the marketplace in a real, real way and get people able to do some things that they got to miss this year. So here's hoping. Well, you know, I love, you know, I love Mystic South. So, you know, it's, it's always sad when I don't go because I think I've been about every yeah. other year and it's one of the few mm-hmm. festivals that Ari really looks forward to. She really likes the ones that are in hotels. So it's easier yeah. for her. <laughs> But yeah, so the ones I do yeah, too, so I... <laughs> yeah, uh, she's so, she's wise. Yeah, she's looking... a very wise wife. Yeah, yes, she is. So it's she is. You know, yeah. It's I'm at the point where I no longer can lay on the ground comfortably. So festivals in the typical sense are kind of off the table for me because things hurt. It is it is a little bit more difficult too for us living on the west coast when we travel out east. You know, it's really hard to camp, that's for sure. So the hotel festivals are much easier. <laughs> the only thing that really makes us sad about them, like when we did visit Mystic South is we cannot bring our we cannot bring our entire scotch collection with us. Oh. You know. And we've always <laughs> wanted to bring all eighty bottles and share it with people. Oh my God, you guys! <laughs> no, it just come out west. I know, right? We have to move it. We we need a replacement for Pantheacon. <laughs> oh my gosh! All because of Jason's whiskey and his obsession. Yeah, yeah get blamed for a <laughs> lot of things, uh, often justifiably so. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, Jason, thank you so much for coming on and spending time with me and making me laugh instead of wallowing in my anger. I like you for that, too. Any time. Any time. It's always a joy <laughs> to, to hang out with you and to chat. I really I do. You know, I was not having a good day. This made my day much better. So thank you. Oh, you're so kind and a great liar. You're fabulous. <laughs> no. No lies, baby. <laughs> All right. No lies. Ah, you're, you're sweet. You're sweet. I'm really looking forward to talking to you in in the summer for your next book. So, absolutely. I, uh, I hope you have. I hope you have a wonderful Yule, and whatever you're doing for Thanksgiving, I hope that is joyous as well. And uh, much love to you and Ari from everybody. Back at you. Happy Yule tide to everybody out there. I hope that you have a great holiday season and it's meaningful even even during covid times. <laughs> yes. Very much so. All right, Jason, we will talk to you soon. Take care, have a wonderful night and thank you again. Thank you. 
All right, guys, I'll be back tomorrow with Ethany Dawn at 1 p.m., and we're going to talk about your tarot court. So that's going to be fun. We will see you tomorrow. Have a good night. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty ultra strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon.